Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. Hey, John, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, I think we have some house cleaning to do first. One of the things I wanted to make everyone aware of is that we created an Ember Weekend Twitter account that you can follow. Uh, We're going to be using this, hopefully, to reach out to our listeners and get some suggestions on content that is relevant to those people. So um, so yeah, so if you follow Ember Weekend, all one word, maybe just tweet at us and let us know what you think of the podcast and things that you want to talk about. That would be really helpful for us. Yeah, and some, and some feedback too. I mean, we'd like to know what, what people like um, that we have covered. Uh, well, I know for a fact that they like the stinger, the little little <laughs> thing. I've heard this from many people. Yeah, and, and the outtakes apparently. Oh yeah, outtakes are good. This is probably going to end up being an outtake. Uh, uh, yeah, and so uh, I think we're also going to use the Ember Weekend uh, Twitter account for possible sticker giveaways whenever we get stickers made for the Ember Weekend logo. I'm pretty excited about that. So, uh, yeah, so, okay, uh, we always like to talk a little bit about the website, and uh, and the f- we're kind of dog-fooding the Ember, uh, Ember Weekend website, uh, just trying out new things. Uh, it's it providing some interesting challenges. I, I've never had to implement an audio player before, so the most recent feature we want to add is uh, is the ability to kind of drag a handle to a, a given point on the track and release and then have that track begin playing there. So people want to be able to seek around freely without using the seek to buttons that we've uh, been including. And I don't know, this has been, it's been kind of interesting. At first it was simple. It was just some mouse up, mouse down, and then mouse move. And we just, you know, update all the values and trigger the audio player API to to move to that position. And that's worked great, but there's some some issues. One is the MP3s are not immediately streaming. So rather than just being this fluid experience, you kind of go to the spot and it buffers for a second and then it releases. So I think, I don't know, you you and I have been working on this for a little while now. And one of the, one of the ideas that we have is to disassociate the movement of the handle from the actual progress of the player. And then when you release, we sync them up. Right. So, yeah. And this kind of, that's kind of a little different from the way most players work. Uh, but probably the easiest one to implement where you basically the user can drag around wherever and then once once they release the you know we, we basically just call seek to just like the links do right but, which um, seems which seems cool I, I i like the idea of of having it be much more responsive um once the once the track is loaded though you can move it around right now and it's like you know super responsive and you hear the little little fast forward sounds as it's actively trying to seek but it just seemed like a kind of a clunky user experience so i know that's kind of a work in progress but it's pretty cool and I think next we're going to talk about Rattable Components, uh, an RFC uh, first submitted by Edward Faulkner, um, who brought us Liquid Fire. So yeah, so so Rattable Components. Tell me about Rattable Components. Um, so the idea of Rattable Components is actually a, a, a really large idea. It's not it's not a very it's not a small change. People who are you know looking out for these kind of things have heard. Well, this is where we're going to remove controllers. Right. But there's actually like four large parts um, of this RFC. And, it, and it's actually outlined in the scope of this document. So if you look at that, um, we'll put up a link in the show notes. Right. And this is this is a this RFC was released in in February. I, I want to say so. There's been a lot of time to digest and and kind of think about this and iron out uh, some of the some of the concepts. Yeah, and, and most people seem to like it. Like I think uh, the very first comments were people saying, you know, I ran into this exact case and I thought you know maybe this would be a good choice and. You know, I'm I'm glad somebody mentioned it and brought up the RFC. Right. So uh, we we just decided to read kind of in depth, like how what the changes are going to be and uh, where the use cases would be. Um, and so so there's there's four major changes. Um, the first is that obviously it removes controllers and components take the place of controllers. Um, right. But and this nor- this still uh, renders into an outlet though, right? That's that's kind of like the one thing that I'm thinking of is the URL still gets searched 
uh, or, or the router still looks at the URL to find out what component to render into the outlet. Right. For, for one type of component, for the routable component. Oh, right. Yeah, and then they have these other components that are asynchronous components. Um, and those are ones that are basically, they, they don't have an outlet. Um, they're loaded. So it's kind of weird. Like uh, we're still kind of looking into this, but it seems as if the, the router is responsible for like a set of models um, that all resolve to some, you know, or have some promise that returns. So there's like a new hook also that this is the second part. There's a new hook added to the router uh, or to the, to the route. Uh, that is the attributes hook and it returns uh, a hash of all the different types of models that your components would use and then all of those are basically resolved by uh, RSVP hash and then the result of this hash is actually passed into a another callback it's called render components I think mm -hmm. right and those have already been resolved at this point so it seems like there's the behavior of the router is being extended to account for the fact that there's no controller now and there the components are being split into kind of two different types of components actually more than that because the last part of the four of this is the components are now being treated as two different things in the sense that there's a true component and then there's a fragment Right. And I, this, I, this has to do with DOM elements being created or not, right? Right. Like I've run across a, a few times, especially with, uh, I think with Liquid Fire, where I wanted a component to manage kind of a section of the DOM, but I didn't want it to render an actual element. Right. Um, so I believe this is what the fragments take care of. Uh, and also components they refer to as elements and then fragments are the, another type of component called fragments. So Right. Yeah. And that's kind of to disambiguate the the two things, right? Because it's right. A, so, like if you just call them components and then fra component fragments or something like that, it may not be clear that there's this very subtle difference. Right. And that they're, that they're distinct between routable components, asynchronous components, and now fragments and elements. Right. It seems it seems kind of complicated, but as we were diving into it, it kind of made a lot more sense. And we're, you're going to you're kind of going to have to transition some mental models of of how you approach some ember stuff but it seems like you're actually going to have to think about less in order to get things working right and we talked about how we were trying to come up with a situation where we had to have this and almost never was it like a must where you had to do this or it wasn't possible uh, actually there was, we couldn't think of any cases um but well, except for the example he gave in the in the rfc which was no, even folder. even even the file tree you you could do that um, manually you could always oh yeah, just, yeah 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 and that was the thing you could always go do it but that was that's the problem is that everyone has to manually just uh, they have to come up with their own convention and their right. own way to do it and this is just a way to kind of get everybody on the same page and say you know here's the canonical way to do the thing you're wanting to do right yeah i don't know i'm excited about it uh i i think this is on the 2.0 roadmap is that is that true it seems like it um there is uh, a flag on this rfc though that it needs a champion and needs an implementer so i don't know if uh, they've already decided who's working on this or if the, how much work has been done on it. So right. if anybody has you know any interest in this, I would go look at the RFC. We'll put the, the link to it in the show notes and yeah, you know, maybe yeah. you can help. Be a champion. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like that tag, by the way. Yeah, it's very it's it's a, it's a great way of like uh, making it seem like it's not work. So this week was Emberjacks. And, uh, and I was really excited about Emberjacks. Uh, obviously, we talked about it briefly um, after after our trip to Atlanta, where we talked to some other meetup organizers. Um, but we were able to actually kind of execute it. I think it went pretty well. So the format that we went with, and, you know, this is a, like, I, I want this to be kind of a discussion. So, you know, re reach out to us, tweet at us about your thoughts on how meetup should work. Um, but, uh, you know, the format we're doing is we're trying to kind of step away from the standards, have a speaker, talk for 30 minutes, or eat some pizza and go home. And instead, you know, do a very brief introduction to a problem and then, you know, break for about 20 or 30 minutes while while everyone gets to try to attempt to solve those problems. 
and then come back and then actually solve, you know, have a, have a pre, uh, pre-done solution that we can actually walk through. So in this case, we did a blog. So there's a GitHub repo called Blogity on the Emberjacks organization. And that's what we were using. And we only covered very, very small sections of, of like functionality in a blog. So it's just like the, you know, an article show and, uh, and, uh, articles index, but, uh, we have intense, uh, we have intentions on making that, uh, you know, work for edit and new and some more cruddy actions. Um, I don't know. It's pretty cool. So we stubbed out the back end and made it to where you're able to test drive this on your own. Um, I don't know. Like you were, you were there. So what do you, what do you think about all this? It was, uh, it was good. I, I, I really thought that in the beginning that there was too, too little, uh, content, it, even though we were targeting beginners in my head, I was like, well, you know, we're only going to cover indexing like pre-existing data. What about new? What about edit? What about the delete? Um, and then it turned out that it was exactly the right amount of work. I mean, we, we basically hit our, hit our mark of, of time. So it, it was, it surprised me. Um, you know, sometimes with some experience, you forget what it's like to be a beginner. Right. The next thing we're going to talk about is Imbrasili Mirage. Um, and again, we, we, yeah, we've covered this multiple times. <laughs> Probably because it's so cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I started using this um, in a, a sort of work project, um, and it's just just to kind of stub out a back end that I kind of wished existed, um, so I could kind of verify that the Ember work that I'd like to do on this project would indeed move at the rate that I want to move at. Um, I love the way you can define the routes, um, but it was very verbose. I was like repeating a ton of you know, setup code because it was a JSON API, uh, not, not, a, not a JSON API in the strict sense, but like I was, I was having to, you know, parse JSON from the response. And, um, and so I was doing a lot of stuff and I, I started refactoring it out and saying, well, I'm always repeating this. Let me move this out. Um, and I started coming up with a, uh, kind of a simple API structure that let me have a more robust test backend, uh, to do things like validations. Uh, and then what I ended up doing was pulling in, uh, Ember validations and that worked great. Um, so now I have this validations folder inside of my Mirage that lets me have something like an email validation or like, uh, you know, this, this field can't be empty, um, just as if you would validate your Ember CLI model or your Ember models. How are you defining the validations? Do you have like an object that does these validations? And, and then how do you actually plug that into Mirage so that it knows? So right now what it's doing is it's pulling, uh, you actually have to explicitly pass the validations out, but, what it, where, but where I'm storing them is inside of, so Mirage is stored in app Mirage. Um, and so I'm just storing this in app Mirage. Uh, I think it's a validators. And then I have a validator for each model type. So in my case, I have, say I have a, a user, then I'll have just user JS in there. Um, and so what it'll do is when you're like posting to user to create a user, it will look at the validator user. Um, and it'll say, well, you can post a user, but it's, it has to pass these validations. Right. So the more I looked at it, the more I realized that I wanted a strict JSON API um, as defined by JSONAPI.org. So the, the next work I'm going to do on this is uh, to actually have the the posts be forced to use the JSON API format, and then the responses also adhere to the JSON API format. Um, so there's gonna be a little more work involved, but but in the end, what I'll be able to do is fully stub out a backend that's JSON API with validations inside of the you know validations uh, folder. Ember, so validations as defined by Ember validations. Yes, exactly. So there's so there's no work. I mean, there's no difference. You don't have to know any new way to do validations. Right. You just make a model uh, in this folder that is just the model you want to validate. That's really neat. Um, are you thinking about uh, making a PR or a gist to kind of, uh, you know, maybe see if this can't be baked in? I mean, you, you could, uh, you could probably bake all of this in, but um, it's at least one add-on in itself. Right. Um, like I wouldn't think that most people are going to use JSON API with Mirage. 
So that would definitely be its own Ember CLI add-on. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the validations part of that would probably be its own add-on. Um, they just need to work together. Um, so it's going to be at least one other add-on that I'm going to probably uh, come up with. That's cool. So uh, JSON API is the last thing we want to talk about. And, and when we say that we're not talking about a JSON API, we're talking about JSON API as defined by JSONAPI.org. And uh, and I, I think this is pretty a, a pretty neat uh, kind of effort that we're we're seeing. So Ember Data is trying to push towards at least uh, at least having this be the kind of default standard for dealing with uh, backends. And I think there's also act, a, a push for active model serializers to default to a JSON API uh, format. So if both of those things happen kind of at the same time, you'll end up being able to kind of get this free, awesome API interaction. Um, and uh, I don't know. So you've you've been doing a little bit more d- digging into this uh, with your work on uh, validators. Uh, what what do you think about this? The standard uh, is is really interesting. It's not. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I've never written an API that would output something like that. And I don't think anybody has. It's it's really a unique thing that um, it seems like it's trying to solve all, like every use case possible. Um, like it does a lot of enterprisey things with. Uh, basically, I think they call them profiles. Yeah, like field definitions. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, they could be, you could basically handle or anything in there. Types, you can, it's it's kind of like a document type definition, I think. Um, but yeah, you can just say, uh, I have metadata that's going to be paging information here. Go get this profile, and it'll tell you how to how to deal with that. Um, I'm not re- I haven't read much more into that, but I mean, there's it's very extensible. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, and and everything as far as I've have seen is it's designed to kind of solve the. The, the issues where you get this, you know, hitting the same route and getting the same data back from five different services looks completely different. Like the, even though they're all JS- like JSON, they can be nested in completely different ways. If you have a post and that post has a user and that user has other posts, how do you represent that? Um, you kind of get this cyclic reference. So this kind of defines like a way of saying the data you're getting is say user, and there's some included things like last five posts or something, you know, you, you have a very well-defined structure and that structure is, is really pretty simple. It's, you have the data, you have the metadata, the included items, and you have links. So the, um, the links are very interesting. They're, they're kind of like a hypermedia API. They're, they're, they're saying, you know, here is where you've got this the information and here is some related information or like, you know, the, the next thing in the series. There's, there's some weirdnesses though. Like I'm, I, I don't think that I've ran across any case where like most of the, that, what most of the link stuff would matter, but all the other things, the, the, you know, the included. Yeah. I really like the included. So you specify, if you have any associated records, you specify a linkage and then the linkage is all the information necessary to go look it up in the included hash or the included object rather that that's a really cool, convenient way to do it. Uh, I think that helps a lot with those uh, dependencies that you're talking about, because at, at any point in time, it's not going to have to follow and go, you know, sideload. Uh, things in the conventional way it'll actually be able to look them up it'll have a, a convention for looking them up in inside of that included object yeah and, and then also the metadata is, is great for things like paging or any anything that you have that's specific to the data set that you're getting right well i mean it seems like it's very well outlined in the actual document it's just it's the document is is very extensive i feel like we can spend a lot of time trying to understand it but and and i and i fully intend to i suspect that uh, the first, the introduction level kind of like immediately gets some use out of this standard uh, is going to be pretty simple and kind of understandable and relatable. But the more deeply you dig or the more specific your needs are, then you'll be able to dive more deeply into this document. But uh, reading it all in one go, I, I feel like is is probably not the, the easiest way 
I, I think it, it would require a preconcerted effort. It's a very complicated do- uh, document, and there are some really smart people on it solving problems that are not necessarily problems that I've encountered. So it's kind of humbling in that way. Uh, as as I read through this document, I, I keep on having to try to try to understand like the motivation behind it because I know the motivations are to solve these very real problems. Yeah, and there's still there's still time to you know contribute and get some. Uh, get some of your opinions heard. Um, this is it's still a very fluid um, spe- specification, it seems like. Yeah, it's and there's a lot of work being done on it. I know Ember Data is shooting for at least a compliant default. It's the Ember JSON API. that They want that to be kind of ready to go at the 1.0 release in, sometime in June for beta release. Right. And that's that's pretty exciting. And I know I see a lot of movement there. And the, the spec itself is on its way to 1.0. So it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to write any JSON parsers or anything. I just kind of... No, you have like these standards. Like you just can, you can count on things to behave the way they should. Yeah, I just, I just write a serializer in Rails and then I just tell Ember, you know, this is my back end. And then Ember just deals with it and Rails does its thing. And I don't have to, I don't even have to deal with any of this. Uh, yeah, so I think that is uh, that is going to be it for this Ember weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we'll talk to you next weekend. Yeah.